all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) If you are new to All Bad Things, or if you've been listening to us for a while, Mm -hmm. and you haven't done the following things, please do them. You can follow us on... Insta, Twitter, Facebook, at All Bad Things Pod. Email us, All Bad Things Pod. Join our... At gmail.com, sorry. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. (laughs) Again, do all of those things. Yes, and I still need to get whoever asked me for the link. (laughs) The Discord link. Uh, I'm so sorry, whoever you are. Because I... Like, we recorded last... No, last night? Yeah, we did. It was last night. No, it was Friday night. Was it Friday? Mm -hmm. No. No, I didn't feel like recording Friday. It was last night. That was last night. You didn't feel like recording? No, I didn't feel like recording last... Oh, you're right. It was a... (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't fake laugh. Apparently... So, I made the mistake of reading some of our reviews, iTunes reviews. Why do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to torture myself. I guess so. Um, multiple people accuse us of fake laughing. No. I guess our f- laughs sound fake. Like, what does that even mean? Ah, uh, ha, ha, ha. Ho, ho. I don't know what that means. I, I, don't, I don't know, know what, what it means either. Somebody who gave us a five-star review also pointed out that there, I think it's, mis- uh, I forget what the name of it is, but it's when you get triggered by, like, mouth sounds, like, Oh, sorry. I probably shouldn't have yeah. demonstrated that. <laughs> so now they're a one-star review. Yeah, just, they said it's... they said that I I slurp my beer directly into the microphone, which I don't do deliberately. So I'm going to try and be very quiet tonight. <laughs> See, you read the reviews and then you get all self-conscious. <laughs> well, that's true. So, what you drinking? I am drinking a fantastical national local beer. <laughs> fantastical, known as Miller Lite. Yes. Yes. You are drinking. I'm drinking Harvest Time, which we mentioned in our last... Uh, yeah. may, I, may I have a yes, sip of that? Yes, yes. This is our last one. Yes. <laughs> I, we were drinking this in our last episode, too, um, at Big Boss Brewing here in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. So do we have any housekeeping, or did we square not, all that away the other really, night? Not really, because, yeah, yeah, there's not much happened since uh, two nights ago. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, then oh, let's... let's let, me, let, me, let me... Hold on. Just, just don't listen. Who, who cares? He, gave, he still gave us a five-star review. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently he'll put up with anything. Or she, or, or they. Or she, or they, mm-hmm. or whatever. So let's get into it then, shall we? Yes. So this is another listener script. Again, Yay. thank you very much yes. for all of those. We've I, gotten some more since, and I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so happy. Everybody's Keep sending them. helping out. At this point, I'm just willing to turn over the show to our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> we'll just post it. <laughs> I mean, you because write it. They're, they're, they're writing scripts that we would eventually write anyway. So they're not... Oh, well, some we may not have known about the topics, true. you know. Yeah, that's true as well. And uh, mm-hmm. they're not going... They're not doing anything different than we would have done before, right? so... Mm-hmm. Keep sending them. Yes, please. Please send help, send scripts. <laughs> oh, oh, one little thing of housekeeping. Probably gonna um, start ramping up the 
second annual anti-capitalist gift exchange extravaganza because I want to have a decent amount of time to like leave it open for people to participate and put their names in. Sure. Our our uh, holiday gift exchange, and then give people some time to think about what they want to get. Maybe this year, because some people were talking about how um, they would have preferred to know something about the person that they got as a recipient. You know, like a little, oh, I like these things or whatever, just to guide them a little bit in their gift giving. So we might do that. Um, And then also we have people who participate from not just the U.S., so we have international we exchanges, and those can take time. Those can take six months, of yes, me, as apparently. we found out. <laughs> With poor Bruce in the Falklands, like, he finally got my present, like, April or something. So, um, so that'll give time for people with international recipients to, like get their gift out kind of ahead of the end of the year. So we'll probably be ramping that up soon, I think. This episode will be coming out on U.S. Labor Day. Yes, it will. Mm-hmm. So probably, like, I'm thinking, like, maybe mid-September we'll open up the... Get it going. Yeah, so uh, was the uh, watch this page for more or whatever they say. What? <laughs> I don't know. It's a saying <laughs> that I'm messing up. I don't know. Don't fake laugh. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, this is another listener script, uh, and I believe we've had one by this person before, Aces uh, I California? Think, I think more than one, more, I, th- fact, I think I so. Think so. Yes, I definitely Aces. recognize that name. Aces, who, if I'm not mistaken, pronouns are they, them. Okay, and this is the Dole Air Race. Ooh, an air race. That sounds very interesting and also possibly very dangerous. I'm sure it's dangerous as shit. I, I did watch a couple of these maybe... Yes, about 10 years ago, Red Bull started doing those. Huh. Um, and they were actually pretty cool to watch, but I'm just like, this also is just... Like in NASCAR, you could die. Yeah, well, but you're on yes. the But you're on the ground, yes. you know? So the, the odds of you dying are, if you get in a crash in NASCAR, are... Certainly not as great. Like, if you get into a crash in an air race, like, it's over, I would think. Yeah, kind of. So I is guess it, we're going to find out. And aces might get into this, but I've literally never heard of an air it's race. It's literally like an obstacle course in the sky. That's that's the... And, like, best time wins? I believe so, okay. yes. So they're not, like, two, two planes side by side running? This like, could... That, finish line? This particular Red Bull thing that I brought up mm-hmm. could be different than what this topic sure. is. But, what kind so. of aircraft was it? Uh, they were, like, smaller... Um, like fighter jets or something? No, or? no, no, no. They were, like, smaller... Um, Cessnas or something? Something a little bit bigger than that, but in that vein. Okay. I'm pretty sure they were so propeller. They just looked like normal planes, kind propeller of. Planes, propeller yeah. planes, yeah. Okay. I don't think they were jets. Um, and I, I and I all I could do is sit there and think about the logistics of all this. Like you've got to clear the airspace, and like I'm like this doesn't seem to be worth it. <laughs> well, now but all anyway, I can think is who would insure that? <laughs> uh, yeah, that that Red Bull apparently yes. they got plenty of money. Uh-huh. That's probably why they wow. put it on. They're like we've got like. We've got like a billion dollars in the couch cushions over there. We'll like, self-insure like, this yeah, thing. Yeah, they're like, well, we're fine. <laughs> wow. So uh, this is the Dole Air Race. So the preface. Hello and greetings, Rachel. Hello and greetings, Rachel and David. Congratulations for breaching the 200 episode milestone for the ah. podcast. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed the 200th episode live recording. Aww. Thank you for setting up that event. Uh, and thank uh, your sister, um... Sarah as well, who uh-huh. was essentially our producer yes, for that yeah. episode. Yeah, she facilitated. Mm-hmm. The only time that, we've yeah. had a producer for, <laughs> for any episode. I reckon I shouldn't date the time. 
uh, that the script was written. That's the professional thing to do, but the script has been months in the writing from December 2020. Oh, wow. And our 200th was back in April, so that's several months. It was. Was it April? Yeah, it was April. Jeez. So, unfortunately, I had faced quite a large delay due to suffering through an uh, excruciating toothache throughout March. I've been through that before. Ouchie, ouch. It's literally the worst pain I've ever been in my entire life. It's nerve pain. It's Mm -hmm. nerve pain, and nerve pain is just horrendous. Yes. But, yeah, I would not want to go through Mm, that again. mm -mm. But thankfully, I'm fit as a fiddle now. Oh, that's good to hear. Thank you for letting us know that. Thank you for your usual excellent reading of the Maxim Gorky. That's what it was. Uh, that was scripts. the most recent one, I think. And I've had a great time listening to all other fan-written scripts the, mm-hmm. this extended tax season. <laughs> <laughs> Kudos to all who submitted their own fan scripts for this season. Yes, and now, basically, we are just on permanent tax season, so everybody, yeah, come everybody. on from now on. If, if you're listening to this, you are required to send us a script. <laughs> Must please send scripts. Yes. <laughs> if we get just one script from each listener. Wow, we could go for a while. <laughs> we could go for a while. That'd so be awesome. Yes. <laughs> to clear the air on the mental image of me being like Robert California. <laughs> I remember mentioning that. <laughs> I chose the name Aces California initially based off the Red Hot Chili Pepper song Danny California, since their music video for the song had the band represent the entire history of rock and roll, and I felt it somewhat correctly described my stylistic tastes that are as diverse as the different aesthetics of rock and roll. Do you know that? I know the song. I don't. I I know the song. I can't specifically remember the video. Um, That's an okay Chili Pepper song. Um, But apparently, a cool video. I guess so. Yeah. Uh, so not much of a Robert California character, though James Spader, the actor who played Robert California, plays the main character of the TV show The Blacklist, mm-hmm. which is currently one of my favorite shows. Oh, cool. So I accept the compliment of being represented in your minds as the excellent Spader. Yes. Uh, so James Spader is one of the coolest actors ever. Also one of the weirdest. He's weird as fuck. Like, nobody... <laughs> like, he went through, um... If anybody has seen the movie Crash, and I'm not talking about the no. Oscar-nominated or Oscar-winning... No, it was about people who had sex in cars. Or no, During got, a car crash. got turned on by... Like, yes. their fetish was... As of... Like, people getting hurt in a car crash. And that's when Ooh. Spader's career was... Because he was pretty big in the 80s, early, and then the 90s was he, didn't really did do much. Did he do, much. like, Brat Pack movies? He was like Brat Pack adjacent, yes. Okay, because yeah. he was, like, the cute... I don't, I don't think he was in the, in the official pack. Gotcha. He was Pack like, adjacent. Yes. <laughs> but he was in Sex, Lies, and Videotape. He was. I think that probably started getting him in that indie career. Probably. And that was probably like the last big thing he did until mm-hmm. he went to TV. That was yeah, a pretty Blacklist big movie. Yeah, Blacklist is really big. And <clears throat> uh, he had that stint on The Office. Mm-hmm. And he Walt was on another Robert TV Kaufman. show, that TV show with William Shatner, where they were lawyers. Oh, Boston Yeah. Legal. Wasn't that James Spader? Yes. Yeah. It was. My parents loved Yeah. That my mom show. loved that show, too. Yeah. So apparently it's a show for moms. <laughs> as as most network uh, you know, TV events are, I'm finding out. You know, I cannot pass judgment because I wa- I, I actually re-watch and re-re-watch Love Island. So clearly I have no quarter. There are several TV shows that break the mold of like a regular network TV show. The, the Office being one of them. Yeah, um, yeah, it was very different. But for the most part, network TV is shit. What would you say that, <laughs> like the the TV show you're most ashamed to say that you kind of like it is? Uh, I don't know because I don't shame myself with watching things. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, I'm not ashamed of watching Love Island. Yes, I'm you are. That's not... why you're asking that question. <laughs> ashamed of i don't know if i i'm not 
ashamed of it. I just recognize that it's not like Peabody award-winning, hard-hitting journal news journalism or TV journalism or something. My shame comes from uh, the only way I can relate to teenagers is by playing video games. That's <laughs> well, it's not the only way. It's it's one way. It's an easier way. Uh, so references used writing uh, in the writing of the script can be found at the end with the major sources of information being the Hawaiian, okay, Aviation oh. Preservation Society and the Hawaiian Avi- Aviation website. Well, I'm going to guess this happens in Hawaii. Just uh, taking a stab in the dark there. I guess we'll see. The Honolulu, Honolulu, <laughs> Star Bullets and Archives, the Museum of San Francisco, the California, okay, digital newspaper collection, Los Angeles Times, and online extracts of the book Race to Hawaii by Jason Ryan. I bet it's a, a race from California to Hawaii. So it sounds yeah. like, yeah. Uh, available on Google Books. Oh, I am very cool. aware that my previous scripts provided to the podcast have been long episodes, so if you feel the need to split the script into multi-parter, feel free to do such. Okay, we will. Based on the size of this and that it's in like a watch the time and, and that it's in feel. like a six-sized font that that might It is very small that font. That might be happening. Yeah, it could it, it could that could happen in which case uh yeah, we'll do that. We'll we'll play We'll see. We'll ear. play we'll a little. Yeah. <laughs> um it, what's funny is that we have been watching White the, the White Lotus mm-hmm. on HBO which takes so, place in Hawaii. It does and it's so a really fucking weird show. But we need to watch the last episode tonight. Yeah, yeah. but it's uh, it it is. I'm not it's sure. Well done though. Uh, I like it. Yeah, I think it's good. I like Mike. At White. this point, I'm like invested in it, so I want to see how this mm-hmm. first season ends. But after, I'm not sure if I would recommend it to anybody. Well, <laughs> it's dark. It's not but like the, a dark. I can handle. It's <sighs> there. The the best way I can put it, this is for me. Like I can handle weird. Mm-hmm. But there's only so much weird I can handle. I don't like there's think only it crosses that line I, though. It does for me anyway. I th- I find like John Waters crosses that line for me, but like this isn't that bad. Yeah. Anyway. We have different weird tolerances. <laughs> yes, we I do. <laughs> so without further ado, here is the episode for today, covering the disastrous story of the Dole Air Race. Dating to 1927, aviation fever would catch the public in the famed shadow of one of the most famous transoceanic crossings. Mm -hmm. In this shadow, an adventurous and perilous competition would be set in motion to claim the pride of being the first aircraft to fly across the Pacific Ocean from the mainland United States to the small territory of Hawaii. Hmm. Oh, back then, yeah, it was not a state by a long shot. Mm -hmm. The race would see multiple deaths spanning the entire life of the competition. And this story will tell how adventure and folly would turn to disaster for many competitors. Okay, huh. so this is sounds like it's going to be several. Like an ongoing thing. I wonder if Dole is like the sponsor of the race, like Dole Pineapple? Because, I mean, I could, Hawaii's known for pineapple. Could be. Um, in a talk about weird and strange, I'm just wondering if any of these competitors were fascists. Like, um... Oh, like, Lindbergh. Like, like, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, no joke. Or pseudo-Nazis. Ugh. Was Lindbergh the spirit of St. Louis? No. No. That's um, somebody else. Okay. <laughs> oh, somebody else. I remember yes. somebody else. <laughs> so, oh, we're so good at history. So, uh, well, we got the Lindbergh thing going. Um, we do know Lindbergh was a fascist. Yes, we do. Yeah, that's that's not a yeah, that's not a secret, by the way, <laughs> no. or at least it shouldn't be by now. Um, so, early aviation. 
On May 20th, 1927, uh, would mark one of the most important days for aviation, as from Roosevelt Field, Long Island, a singular aircraft took flight, aiming to make history. Here we go. Oh, okay. This was the Spirit of St. Louis, <laughs> piloted by Charles Lindbergh. So that's... I was I, right. I forgot the name of his plane was, was, was right. that. Oh, we had the right. we had the action and what he did and the fascism part right, just not the name of the plane. I just love that no matter what, we somehow end up like legit guys. We did not pre-read the script. I've not read any of this, and no. we never have. We are not putting on the fact that sometimes we have like a psychic connection with our listeners who have written scripts. That's so funny. So I was right. So Lindbergh on a singular uh, singular perilous journey across the Atlantic Ocean, uh, a feat that was attempted many times before but rarely completed, may not even making land again in their attempts. Many not even making land again in their attempts. The, the print is really small, so forgive oh, me. I, well, are you okay with I'll it? be fine with okay. it. The 33-hour and a half-long flight would conclude with the spirit of St. Louis's landing at Le Bourgeois Aerodrome Paris. Oh. You like that? <laughs> Très bon. This successful feat of aviation set into motion a wild cultural craze across the rest of the mm. 1920s to set a new and even more dangerous pioneering aviation feat. Well, it since everything is a first, you mm-hmm. might as well be the first in, in any yeah. number, any new technology. Sort yeah, like of the thing. like the first to climb up a mountain backwards or what? Yeah, like the, right, like the, they were the Wilcox expedition, <laughs> yes. like all those. No, that's been done, but here it's are like, some yeah. things that haven't. No, been you done. can you can do it. Uh, <laughs> you skipping can jump rope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Yeah. If you're somebody out there who owns like a Guinness Book of World Records or is interested in that, I I mean to offend you. <laughs> And I'm not sorry. <laughs> if we have any listeners who actually hold a world record, I'd love actually, to I'd love to hear that. Though. Yeah, we probably all do, and we're just not aware of it. <laughs> Very possible, you know, like a lot of things just aren't recorded. That's true. So how can you be a record holder if there's no record? There you go. So before we go further, it is best to contextualize and emphasize on just how dangerous the early ages of yeah, aviation were. Joke. With Lindbergh's flight of 3,600 miles, that's that's, a long, That's the length of uh, the continental United States, pretty much. Plus. Like just under it, yeah. Or just over it, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, or just under 5,800 kilometers. Performed without use of radio transmitters, gas gauges, nightlights, what? navigational no equipment, or parachutes, all in an attempt to lower the weight of the Spirit of St. Louis to allow for an extra gas tank. Wow. However, beyond Lindbergh's transatlantic crossing, usual safety equipment that was uh, purely optional to carry or fit out would be one or two parachutes, an early version of a fire sh- extinguisher. An early version. I don't like the sound yeah. of that. <laughs> a cork vest or a rubber dinghy. A cork vest. Mm-hmm. So you get to <laughs> you get to hope that cork. Well, I mean, I guess bobbing like a yeah. cork is like Floats. the idea, or a rubber dinghy. Yeah. Well, okay. So they were trying to lighten the plane mm-hmm. to make it need less gas. And also be able to hold more gas. Yes. But basically, this was like... No navigational equipment. This is like jumping no. without a net, really. Like, pretty much. There was a decent chance he was going to die. I do remember, because like, I read stories about it and stuff like that, I do remember um, he'd been drinking, but and he'd been up like all day before he took off for this flight. I don't but like he that. got cleared to take off. Lindbergh, I'm talking about. Um, so to keep himself awake, I remember reading that he would fly very low to the ocean to let the ocean waves like splash him in the face. Jeez. So like, <laughs> yeah, these people were fucking nuts. <laughs> so I 
would yeah. think he'd want to be well It took him 36 hours to get there. He was up for like, you know, he was up for almost like a that's, whole day before that. That's not safe. <laughs> None no. of this is safe. No. <laughs> let's, thankfully, we don't have these kind of... <laughs> well, we do. I think uh. we're going to find out. But uh, yeah, we, we have uh, more regulations on flying since then. You mean more restriction of freedom? Well, that too. Mm-hmm. Again, hashtag sarcasm. Yes. I'm all for regulation. <laughs> so navigational technology was in its early developing stages, yet yeah. to say the least. I mean, radar is... I'm not even sure if it's around in 1927. I it was if, if these it's, guys had like star maps. <laughs> probably. Um, radar was in its infancy during World War II, so oh, wow. I, I don't even know if it's around then. Uh, with the newest technology of radio t- transmission being installed on very few aircraft, with which contact was able to be made with manned beacons, airports, and ships with radio transmitters themselves. The older and established form of navigation used during this time was dead reckoning, which involved the recording of where your aircraft previously was in Mm -hmm. relation to where it is now to chart a course to where you are tending to go. Also used... relational plotting, yeah. So that's what dead reckoning means. I've 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 heard heard that term before, yeah. yeah. Also used was the observing of celestial bodies, Mm -hmm. which, like mariners before them, was done by identifying and following stars, constellations, or planets in the night sky, or by the location of the sun during the day. Mm -hmm. So establishing the Dole Air Race... Lindbergh's transatlantic crossing was spurred on by a prize set up by a French businessman who would provide whoever was the first to make a nonstop transatlantic crossing with a hefty prize. The, mm. the design of setting up a monetary prize for those aviators brave enough to beat the challenges set, set up for the prize would be copied by many American businessmen, such as theater mogul Sid Groman, who offered a prize of... Oh, Groman, like Groman Chinese. Gr- oh, Groman, yeah, you're right. Chinese yep. theater, yeah. Groman, Groman, Groman. Groman's? Who offered a prize of $30,000. Holy sh... Okay, near $450,000 wow. in today's money. I was going to say, that's a lot of it's money like back then. a million dollars. To fly from Los Angeles to Tokyo. That's a, that's a long flight. It's all the way across the Pacific. And Dallas-based businessman William Easterwood, who offered a prize of $25,000, nearly $375,000 mm. in today's money, to fly from Dallas to Hong Kong, Ooh. allowing for two stops in between as long oh. as the journey was less than 144 hours. Which that's is a weird. week, I believe. 144 hours. I think it's a week. Yeah, 100. Yeah, something like that. But um, I guess they were like sort of um, that. That guy was probably like con- giving in to the fact that it's at this point in aviation history, it wasn't really possible to go there nonstop. Uh, if he was willing well, to. No, well, no, well, nobody knew. Well, so Dallas to Hong Kong. That's a long fucking ways. That's yeah. That's. I wonder that's a long ways are, today. That's a long ways, period. I wonder if there are even flights from Dallas to Hong Kong today. I would think that it'd be like Dallas to L.A. to Hong Kong. I was, was going to say not a direct flight. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't think, think so, but who Although knows? Dallas is a major international hub, mm-hmm. so there might be. Uh, like Dallas-Fort Worth is like one of the biggest, busiest airports in the world. Does from Texas to Hawaii? I think she does, actually. Yeah, yeah. so it can at least Florida, Florida to Dallas-Fort Worth to Hawaii. Honolulu. Yep. So at this point, let us reflect on the... Oh, I'm sorry. I missed a paragraph. Another American businessman who took up the mantle of offering a prize for a challenging feat of aviation was Hawaii pineapple magnate and founder of the Hawaii Pineapple Company. Dole. Which was to change to reflect the founder's namesake, namesake, James D. Dole. James D. Dole. Jim Dole. At this point, let us... Yes, Jim D. Dole. At this point, let us reflect on the history of Hawaii and ask... 
How did Hawaii come to be under the United States? Well, okay. we know. So this is Let's, something... No, no, oh, imperialism. But yes. this is something... This is a gap in my knowledge that I'm very interested to learn more okay. about. Okay. Well, we're about to. I've heard of King Kamehameha and all that, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm just interested. So initially known as the Kingdom of Hawaii, the chain of islands were populated by an ethnically Polynesian people. However... This would begin to change in the 18th and 19th centuries after what began as European and American explorers arriving to the islands would turn into missionary projects aiming to preach the word of Christianity to the islanders because, yeah. Because imperialism. Well, I mean, just, just, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For fuck's sake. Like, if you're, if you're a Christian, you believe in all that stuff, that's fine. That's cool, but... Leave other people alone, please. And could you imagine, like, at this time, like, going to Hawaii just to preach the word? Like, that's not... like You might not live that journey. Well, yeah, that's... that's, The... (laughs) The problem is when you're... When a very significant portion of your religion is around converting other people to it. Like, that's a problem. Yeah. Yes. Like, it, it, it is. You know, and it's okay for you to have whatever belief you want. Yeah. But, like, like for example... Just let other people have theirs. Yeah, for example, I am agnostic slash atheist. I'm not trying to convince anybody else that yeah. that's how they should be. Like, I want everybody to make their own decisions. Exactly. That's, that's autonomy. Yeah, it's I've come around agency. on that. Like, when I was in my 20s, it was like, oh, religion sucks, it's bullshit, it's a waste of time. I don't feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. There are people who, you know, take comfort in it and something that's part... And I'm fine with that. Hey, if it's just, not hurting people, exactly. Like, go for I, yeah, it. I'm fine with it, but just don't go to some foreign island yeah. and tell people who believe in whatever or Have don't their believe own in beliefs it, or right? Their own lack of beliefs that uh, yeah. Jesus wants you here, or I Jesus wanted me to be here, and right. uh, you're going to come with us, or we'll kill you. And the problem too, because that's a, what Jesus would have wanted too. The problem is a lot of evangelicalism of missionaries from Western countries has also brought along with it. The idea that, well, that, and the idea that, like, you need, not only do you need to believe X, Y, Z, but then you have to be, quote, civilized, which means you have to do, dress this way and be this way, and this cultural stuff comes along with it. Seriously, just just fuck off. Yeah. So, so before we keep going, because I can go on about that forever. So these missionaries would settle around the islands, and generations later, the descendants to these missionaries began to open factories, trading in sugar, and utilizing the native people of Hawaii as labor. They had also began sticking their noses into the governance of Hawaii, slowly changing it from the traditional Hawaiian structure into something resembling more the United States. Oh, good. In effect, doing what their ancestors from Europe did so well yeah. yep, in yep, colonizing yep. the island and the peoples to their correct, quote-unquote, way of life. God, Western culture. Soon, an armed militia of minority white U.S. aligned sugar business landowners would form an armed militia and aided by the. Yes, I know. It was only a matter of time until the armed militia started. (laughs) And aided by the United States, who provided a U.S. naval ship Mm. filled with troops, would perform a foreign sponsored coup against the reigning queen of Hawaii, Queen Lily Wakalani. Oh, he has a little. Lily Oku. Lily Okulan. Lily Okulan? Lily Okulan, as in land. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they, they literally just completely, yeah, staged well, coup, ousted the... Yeah, that, that was... Mm-hmm. That was <laughs> I mean, it's We're just, good at that. I mean, it was, it's, just, it's like telling somebody, hey, tomorrow water is going to be wet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. Like, like, it's just... 
<laughs> like it's just inevitable. The, the U.S. will screw it up. Yeah, one way or the other. yeah. Uh, get ready. And now that we're completely out of Afghanistan, kind of in Iraq. Uh, if you're a brown person in a country you haven't invaded yet, you better watch the fuck out because we're we're looking. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're and if you and if you and if you have minerals, you might as well hide them or claim that you don't have them because we're coming and for God you. God forbid yeah. you have oil. Yeah, we're coming for you we're, next. We're, we're pretty, uh, we're pretty oil greedy. Yeah, and we'll we'll do it in the, under the guise of freedom and like shit like that. Uh, Can't so, wait for the ones I know about us being uh, communists. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the islands had become a republic, and in 1898, after years of advocating for the annexation of Hawaii by the United States, the territory of Hawaii was officially voted in to be the newest uh, holding of the United States. Mm. The man who would be the first president of the Republic of Hawaii was one Sanford Dole. Of, oh, the, the of course, like of yeah. course, of the same Dole family we know now for their named brand. Well, bananas too, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's not just pineapples. It's not just bananas pineapples. Too. <laughs> Fruit. Fruit. Yeah, that's true. This business we know now was not started by Sanford Dole, but the younger cousin James Dole, and uh, mo- mm-hmm, moving to Hawaii to start earning his fortune as owner of the Hawaiian Pineapple Company. Mm-hmm. So, when the idea for a highly publicized Trans-Pacific crossing sponsored with a prize by a wealthy business owner, James Dole was the clear favorite to approach with the family legacy of governing the island, the vast reach of the Hawaiian Pineapple Company, and influence still among the highest levels of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. James Dole had been presented the idea of the Dole Air Race, or, or Dole Derby, by editors of the Honolulu New, Honolulu Star newspaper. So, so hold on, oh, I ahead. just want to I just want to tell you something I realized. You know how you how you've watched in the past when we've gone to see Jimmy Dore. Mm-hmm. This is Jimmy Dole. <laughs> <laughs> Stop with the fake laugh. <laughs> So the dream result for James Dole setting up this challenge was enticing the Prince of the Atlantic himself, Charles Lindbergh, and other famed transatlantic mm-hmm. aviators to participate in the Dole Derby. Well, yeah, if you're going to have a race, you want the the people who've already won a race to participate, yeah. Yeah, taking on the idea, James Dole would establish a prize of $25,000, again, $375,000 in today's money, to the first aviator who would make the Trans-Pacific Crossing from the west coast of America to the territory of Hawaii. Okay, so it's not completely uh, crossing the Pacific. mm -hmm, And $10,000, near $150,000 in today's money, for the second aviator to pull off the feet. So that's probably why we're going to have a lot of deaths. Or several, or Lots I hope it's tries. not a lot. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, however, none of these uh, famous aviators, previously famous aviators, took up the challenge, warning huh. Dole that the preparation time provided for the before the start of the oh. prize was too short to be safe. Oh, that's not. Oh, good. so they. No, that's not good. <laughs> these people are maniacs already, and they're like, mm, like I don't know, that's not safe enough. No, yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> no, it's already not safe. Yeah. Like, like what? What do you think would be not safe in these people's minds? <laughs> I, I, yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, if I have to get out and fly myself using my own arms, I'm not going to do that this time. Well, they didn't have apparently they didn't have <laughs> parachutes for the sake of weight, so. <laughs> But this did not stop. But this did not stop an estimated 33 entrants from joining into the Dole Derby by the deadline for entries. 
So with very little preparation time, apparently. And it sounds like these are just probably new pilots. I mean, they're just like, hey, 25 grand. Like, literally, if you had Mm $375,000 at the turn of the 20th century, you could have lived the rest well, of your life just fine. this is circa 1927, right? So mm-hmm. this is, like, gaining up to the crash of 29. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So maybe more and more desperate people. I'm not sure what the first year of this was, but still. So with a large number of aviators entering into the challenge, the prize established for whoever could do it first in the span of a year was turned into a singular all-for-nothing race among oh, the no. entrants. All competitors would depart from Oakland Field in Oakland, California to land at Military Airfield Wheeler Field off Honolulu on the Hawaiian island of Oahu. So the race would span the distance between Oakland and Honolulu, a distance of 2,406 miles or 3,873 kilometers. So it's technically shorter than what Lindbergh did. It is, but yeah. It, but on short notice, basically, mm-hmm. with who knows who participating. It would be a lesser distance than Lindbergh's okay. famed transatlantic <laughs> crossing, but would be over 600 miles more over water, with, oh. the, with the ultimate target being a tiny archipelago in the middle mm-hmm. of the vast Pacific Ocean mm-hmm. that the United States Air Force would itself calculate as only requiring to be four degrees off course from your route to end up missing the islands in its oh, wow. entirety. Yeah, I mean, it's literally, if you look at where Hawaii target. is, yeah. it's in the middle of it is. fucking nowhere. It is. An additional unknown factor to any attempt to cross the Pacific would be the minimal knowledge about the existing weather and wind patterns over the ocean mm-hmm. at that time mm-hmm. and their air, and the, their effect on the aircraft. Whilst sources are unclear about the following, the Californian and Hawaiian branches of the National Aeronautics Association managed the administrative side of the competition, setting in place the rules for competing, whilst the aeronautical branch of the Department of Commerce provided inspectors to manage the safety of the race. Are you saying whilst? That's what he's saying. That's, yes, whilst. 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 Anyway. The safety features (laughs) that the aeronautical branch... Let us know, British listeners. (laughs) The safety features that the aeronautical branch of the Department of Commerce introduced in order to legitimize the race included such features as extra gas tanks, lifeboats, sails, emergency rations, and other needs to survive floating in an ocean for days on end. Oh, jeez. All aircraft in the contest were vetted by the branch on their ability to make the 2,400-mile journey from Oakland to Honolulu with an additional 15% on top for surety. Yeah. Radio transmitters were deemed an optional measure. <laughs> That's optional. Okay. That's optional. Something you might need if you wind up in the ocean. Oh, my God. <laughs> but you're like, eh. Yeah, you know. They didn't have e-perbs back then. Like I guess how, not. If you ended up in the ocean, who would know where to find you? Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, at this, yeah, if you end up in the ocean at this time, like kind of on your, you're you're going to die. Like it's no. No, oh, this is just so. This is a terrible idea. So additionally, no pilot was to fly alone, or at least without the ability to completely navigate themselves. The key word being completely, as by the aeronautical branch's requirements, all navigators had to hold a navigator certificate provided by the Department of Commerce. Many pilots and navigators did not hold the navigator certificate, (laughs) owing to the fact that the certificate needed had only just been introduced. Oh. With only a few pilots holding the minimum 200 hours of flight time required for an air transport rating... The aeronautical branch performed on-the-spot trial flights and examinations at Oakland Field to either pass or fail the pilots and navigators for their needed certificates. Not all all of them passed. Uh, That's good. 
Well, the, yeah, that is good. Especially given the, oh my god, the circumstances. That's like, you know what? It's like a move-in day on campus. But if you haven't taken the SAT, it's okay. You can test right now. Yeah, you can do it right now. (laughs) So to aid in the navigation of the participants across the Pacific, a flotilla of ships from the U.S. Navy were moored along the flight path with at least eight eight ships involved in this safety feature. Once in range of Hawaii, navigators with the technology could reach the transmitting beacon on Maui, as well as the many commercial, commercially reachable radio transmitters on the islands. However, these features would not be required for many of the entries, as only four of the competitors carried them with radio transmitters on the day of the race. Wait, so like four out of 33 people or whatever? Something like that, oh. yeah. So the California branch of the National Aeronautics Association would draw the running order for the competitors for race day. At this point, before the inspectors and examinations by the aeronautical branch, the number of participants had already been whittled down from 33 prospective entrants to just 14. Oh, wow. For okay, sh- so they did, they did mm-hmm, they, they, fail some people. Yes, <laughs> okay, that's more than good. half of them. Those would be the ones to live because yeah. they never got to get off the ground. <laughs> well, they, they probably signed up for some other race that they, right? didn't, that they didn't need all these regulations for. <laughs> I, just, I just want more freedom. Interference. Foreshadowed by Charles Lindbergh and the Atlantic Flyers, rumors said the Californian branch of the National Aeronautics Association wanted a two-week delay to the beginning of the race, fearing how a quick turnaround to process of setting up the race was. Hmm. The Hawaiian branch responded in Telegram, stating, quote, The committee disapproves postponement of zero hour for starting time. The contestants have already been given sufficient time to prepare, unquote. (laughs) Because that's how it would have been read back then. But what's a trans-Pacific accent? I don't know. It's the same as a transatlantic one. I guess so. All news people sounded the same. All the news people back then were white. There's not not a Polynesian on the radio. Well, now see the difference is we've come so far. Now the only thing is that all of our newscasters sound white. No, they 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 have like the no accent thing. Exactly, yeah. but it's a white accent. It's it? a very white nah, sound. I guess. Yes. <laughs> it's a very, quote, neutral accent, mm. but read white. Yeah. Non-regional dialect, I believe, is what it's called. Yeah. Separately, the remaining comp- competitors to the Dole Prize would subsequently meet and vote amongst themselves to postpone the race by a singular day and to take off on uh-huh. August 16th. Oh, this is like... Uh, it's almost, it's uh, yeah, yeah, I was going to say. recording this on August 22nd. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so pre-race successes. So despite the rules of the Dole Prize stating that if an aviator made the crossing successfully before the start of August 15th, that they would be ineligible for the Dole Prize, it did yeah. not stop two daring teams of aviators huh. of military and civilian origins alike from claiming history for themselves before the start of the race taking away the shiny veneer of competing for the prize to claim Lindbergh levels of world's first fame. Okay. Okay, so regardless of the sponsorship, Mm -hmm. like, Two people had already done it. Yeah, whoever was gonna possibly win this thing wouldn't actually hold the record. That's interesting. the, The first, yeah. On June 28th, 1927, Army Lieutenants Lester Maitland and Albert Hagenberger would fly their military designed Fokker, that's F O. K K E R. So <laughs> Fokker. Like that's like meet the parents. <laughs> <laughs> yes. C two trimotor, nicknamed the Bird of Paradise, from Oakland Airport into Wheeler Field, taking a total of twenty five hours and fifty minutes to complete. Wow. Okay. That seems fast. Yeah. That just over a day. Although Lindbergh, what was it? Lindbergh did it in like 
36 hours or something. And he was going a farther distance, yeah. too. Yeah, so I guess it's about, about right. So they navigated across the Pacific used, using dead reckoning and celestial observation before transferring wow. to radio transmission with Maui-based radio beacons mm. on approach to the islands. They landed at Wheeler Field as the first successful Trans-Pacific mm. flight from the mainland United States to Hawaii, and for this, they were awarded with the Distinguished Flying Cross. Oh, so... But not $25,000 Yeah, or whatever. no. You I, got I'll, a medal and I'll, the I'll, title. I'll, I'll take that over the... the yeah. Be like, this is yeah. nice. Like, can we speak to Mr. Dole? Like, can we, <laughs> can we at least can we chip us off like a grand? Right. Like something? I'm sure he's got it in the safe. So less than a month later, a civilian uh, airmail airmail pilot, Ernie Smith, along with his navigator, Emery Bronte, took off from Oakland Airport as well. I'm sorry, Emery Bronte? Mm-hmm. Like E-M-O-R-Y Bronte. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> Do you know why that's funny? No. Do you know who Emily Bronte is? No. Famous author? No. Emery Bronte, Emily Bronte. It's just funny. It just sounds funny. It's hilarious. It's a pun. I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> to me does anybody does anybody listening know who emily bronte is yes they do we have smart listeners david david so their aircraft a travel air model named the city of oakland that's a very original title somebody's already got that title guys it's like the spirit of st louis the city of oakland there's already one like (laughs) the physical place there is a city of oakland yeah that's an actual city yeah come up with something else there's a plane yeah so the city of Oakland was fitted with a radio transmitter and receiver, which uh, failed mid-flight and carried a rubber lifeboat. The journey made by the city of Oakland was perilous with fog persisting from San Francisco Bay across the Pacific yeah. Ocean to a point that Bronte noted the fog being a considerable concern, quote-unquote. No yeah. shit. Running out of fuel over the island of Mol- Molokai, they crash-landed into a oh grove of trees, emerging with minor injuries, but okay from the softened landing opposed to the shallow water to one side, which would have flipped the aircraft, and the harsh cliff face on the other side. Oh, my God. To that point, they landed with a bump in Molokai, and, Molokai, and it took 26 hours and 36 minutes to make the journey. Now, how do you get back home is, like, what I want. Well, <laughs> I was like, wondering about that like... with, even just with Lindbergh. Did Lindbergh fly home, or did he cruise I, home? I'm guessing he took a boat back home. Right? Yeah. And that is a good question. Like, do yeah. these people then turn? Well, these and fly these people back? are actually without a plane now. They crash landed. Well, that too. <laughs> so they could they could get on a navy ship. I bet probably, that was but that's the most likely. It's not fun. No, and uh, somebody's got to pay for that. I, I don't think yeah. the, I don't think the navy gives free rides. Right. <laughs> and they're not. Um, they're they're not competing for a prize. So they didn't no. Prize. Yeah, I, that, that's maybe he'll get into that at some point. That'd be interesting to know. Like, okay, you got there. Now, how do you get home? They're like, no, we'll just make this the city of Oakland now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we we just decided this is the new city of Oakland. So tragedies before the race. Oh. Yeah. This, this is all before. Yeah, before the race. <laughs> Gotta love it when there's lots of tragedies beforehand. So with the successes of the Bird of Paradise and City of Oakland, the time before the race would see equal tragedies befall some of the entries to the Dole Derby. Mm. This would begin with the crash of a proclaimed, uh, quote-unquote, mysterious Mm. aircraft, which was rumored to be the best in the race. This would be the U.S. Naval aircraft, the Spirit of John Rogers, a Tremaine Hummingbird piloted by Navy Lieutenants George Covell and Richard Wagoner. If you are a suspicious person as the scriptwriter is, the fact that the spirit of John Rogers drew lot 13 in the draw for starting uh. position 
would foreshadow what would then happen to the crew on August 10th. Unlucky 13. On August 10th, the spirit of John Rogers took flight out of North Island Naval Station in San Diego, where the Navy lieutenants were based, into the foggy shoreline of San Diego, headed to North Oakland. Less than 15 minutes into the flight, the spirit of John Rogers collided with the cliffs of Point Loma, San Diego, killing both aviators instantly, being the first casualties of many of the Dole Air Race. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to guess smacking straight into a cliff will kill you immediately. So also entered in the Dole Air Race was the Angel of Los Angeles, piloted by British aerial ace Captain Arthur Vickers Rogers, a former World War I aviator decorated for his service. He would fly his Bryant aircraft, a specifically built model by engineer Leland Bryant himself, from Western Air Express Field in Montebello. On August 11th, the day after the fatal crash of the Spirit of John Rogers, Captain Rogers had planned to take his aircraft up for a test flight at Montebello. Some sources had claimed that Leland Bryant requested to join in with the test flight, but Rogers left Bryant grounded, stating that the Mm. test would be safer if only one of them went. Mm. Before taking off, Rogers did take a parachute with him. Okay. Up into the air above Montebello, <clears throat> the test flight was successfully made, but upon circling back to Western Air Express Field, the Angel of Los Angeles dropped, plummeting a distance between 100 and 150 feet, or 30 to 45 meters. Captain Rogers had successfully leapt from the following aircraft wow. with his parachute donned. However, this parachute failed to open. Oh my god! And what came next does not need to be stated. Oh no! Captain Arthur Rogers would become the third fatality of the Dole Air Race before the race even began. Oh, my God. So, I mean, that was the other thing, too. Like, just because you have a parachute with you doesn't doesn't mean it's going to work. No. Not all of the crashes before the race were fatal, however. On the same day as the crash of the Angel of Los Angeles, an aircraft with a strikingly similar name, being the Pride of Los Angeles, had already made their journey into Oakland for the race. To happen five days later, which was to happen five days later, the aircraft, a unique design with three tiers of wings. I've seen those; they, really? they are very interesting. Wait, yeah, so they've got like one in stacked? the. Mm-hmm, they've got one in the uh, uh, Museum of History. Well, I've seen here. the ones that are like two, but they have like little sticks and stuff mm-hmm. connect. So it's like that, only it, it's three. It's a three, yeah. Oh, okay. They have one in the Museum of History. Oh, no, that's okay. Why is that up? Oh, okay. I don't know because our computers crappy <laughs> and we need to use a new one. <laughs> So the aircraft was sponsored by famed Western actor, stuntman, and pilot Edmund Hoot Gibson. <laughs> oh, good old Hoot Gibson. Hoot Gibson. Hoot, oh, Hoot Gibson's Gibson. here. Hoot Gibson. Oh, Hoot, Hoot, Gi- Gibson. Hoot Gibson. Get us a cigar and bottle of rum for Hoot Gibson, ladies and gentlemen. Who gives a hoot? Gibson does. Gibson does. <laughs> Fake laugh. <laughs> well, see, back then you didn't have TV, barely radio. Yeah. So nicknames back in this time were... You had to give somebody a nickname, Basically. just give them some kind of personality. Just so, <laughs> so, so people didn't have personality. <laughs> no, it's a, television. no, like in the paper to give them, you know, like his oh, name's gotcha. his name's Hoot, so he's probably. Uh, I just love the idea that like personalities weren't invented until. No, television. it's just to give them, you know. Uh. <laughs> so, uh, in the, who in the ultimate display of vanity? So here we go. Oh, That's no. Probably his nickname is Hoot. Had his smiling face rendered on each side of the aircraft. <laughs> his big face. A giant face plastered on the side. It was piloted by Captain J.L. Griffin with navigation done by Theodore Lundgren. On arrival to Oakland over San Francisco Bay, the aircraft dropped down approximately 100 feet or 30 meters away from the shore 
destroying the aircraft, oh. but with Griffin and Lundgren surviving, but being uncomfortably soaked through. Yeah. Well, that's 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 if that's the worst that happens. If that's the worst yeah, that happens, okay. then yeah, that's better than being dead. All right, so we just took a quick break, and we are switching roles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my throat is just really raspy tonight, and trying to get through the rest of it, I was just like, eh, I'm just going to hand it off. Okay. Well, I've got a cracked open a brand new White Claw. There you go. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. <clears throat> All right, so the day of the race. August 16th rolled around, and as the morning sun rose on Oakland Field, the crowd of spectators that had grown to a size of around 100,000 over the past few yeah, days. People just, apparently there was just nothing to do in the 1920s. Like, right. I've, I've looked up, um, this was not the 1920s, I read a story one time about the first professional ice hockey game that happened in mm. North Carolina, which was in Charlotte. And like 60,000 people showed up for it. This was in the 20s? I think it was in the 30s or 40s. Okay. But like, well, I don't, like I don't you know. Said, radi- I, not radio, it's I, not TV. I guess, know, yeah. A little of it, yeah. But yeah, people like tens, or in this case, 100,000 people would just show up for an event and be like... Well, people were going to vaudeville for entertainment. Like, the, what guess, else was there to do except I, for live stuff? I guess, yeah. Like, in, in between beating your children and... and uh, <laughs> And, and subjugating women and subjugating know? black people. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what else were you going to do yeah. for fun? Let's go watch people crash the planes. <laughs> well, here's the thing. So <clears throat> the crowd had grown upon publicizing of the losses of the spirit of John oh. Rogers, Angel of Los Angeles and Pride of Los Angeles. And they pushed and jockeyed for positions around the fences surrounding the field. So they were like, they were wanting to rubber see rubber yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of the 14 entrants drawn for the Dole Derby, the field had further reduced to 10, with one entrant, a captain, Frederick Giles, failing to make the deadline for landing at Oakland Field to participate, despite already being on his way in from Detroit. So he just got there too late. As the aircraft were inspected by the aeronautical branch, a further two aircraft were disqualified for not passing the required fuel capacity to make it to Hawaii safely. That's a good reason. Leaving the final field to take the big air being eight down from 33. That's 25 down. Jeez. Just after midday on August 16th, the flag dropped to signal the beginning of the race. With the eight competing aircraft forming a semicircle at the end of the runway, ready to take flight. In order of when they first attempted to take off, this is what happened. So, here's uh, all participating aircraft parked up at Oakland Field preparing to depart. It actually looks like a modern day. Uh, it looks like they're taxiing, like they would be Well, they like ha- today. Yeah, that's how yeah. they take off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, we're going to go through the fate of each plane, plane by plane, starting with the Oklahoma. So the Oklahoma would be the first... Can, can somebody come up with, like, an original name like that? <laughs> like, I don't know. The spirit of John Rogers. I'm not sure who John Rogers is. That's was. true. But the, but so far, it's just been him. Like, you know... Well, like, wasn't one the Angel of Los Angeles, which yeah, means but it's the, the Angel of the Angels? I was just going to say, Los Angeles means <laughs> yeah, angels. They're the city so. of angels. But, uh, uh-huh. yeah, like like the, the Demon Comet or, like, something fun. <laughs> demon Comet. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> no, this is the Oklahoma. The Oak. Oklahoma. And it'd be hilarious if the guy flying it was from New York. <laughs> or the guy from Detroit, right? He yeah. Came, he came from Detroit in the Oklahoma. Yeah. Yes. 
So the Oklahoma would be the first of the aircraft competing for the prize to rumble down the runway of Oakland Field. The first of two Travel Air 5000s, sponsored by the Phillips Petroleum Company, would be captained by Bennett Griffin, with his navigator being Al Henley. Unfortunately, (laughs) shortly after takeoff, the Oklahoma would return to Oakland Field with engine troubles, resulting in the first aircraft to withdraw from the race after its beginning. I think that they probably lucked out on that. I'm going to guess yes. The second one was El Encanto. Okay, so there we go. Yes, meaning the charm in Spanish. The El Encanto is a personal project for British Royal Flying Corps veteran Lieutenant Norman Goddard. The Royal Flying Corps now being known as the RAF. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Goddard had crafted the plane himself. Uh-oh. <laughs> warning, warning. <laughs> With the construction being heavily favored to win the prize due to its metallic construction. Now, <laughs> th- we have I'm, a picture that, yes, we do. That, that indicates it's uh, I'm guessing. It's I'm guessing fate. he didn't win the prize. No. Ah, Goddard himself would pilot the aircraft whilst the navi- whilst. The navigation was done by Kenneth Hawkins. The El Encanto would be the second aircraft to attempt to take off from Oakland Field. However, just after lifting off the ground, the aircraft would tilt left, striking the ground with their wing and skidding to a halt just under 1,500 meters or 2,800 feet down the runway. And we have a picture of the wreckage of El Mm -hmm. Encanto. We we have a picture of what happens when it tilted left. Yeah. (laughs) It stayed that way. And it was a favorite to win the whole race, and it didn't make it past the That's runway. That's the other thing, too. I'm sure in the in this crowd, there are people taking bets. Mm-hmm. There has to be. You know there is. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so. Yep. Both Goddard and Hawkins were uninjured during the crash. That's good. But El Encanto was a wreck, and the team became the second to withdraw during the race. So the first two were just, so like, done before six they left. started. Yeah. One source for this script suspected that the weight of the fuel on board made the aircraft too heavy to fly, mm-hmm. causing the crash. The Papco Pacific Flyer, sometimes just referred to as the Pacific Flyer, was the only entrant to the competition to be flown by a single crew member, being former Air Force pilot Major Livingston Irving. Kingston Irving. <laughs> the aircraft, described as an orange and black breeze wild monoplane, was adorned with the name of the entrance sponsor, the Pacific Paraffin Paint Company. I oh. guess it's Papco. Whatever. Third in order to take off from Oakland Field, the Pacific Flyer initially managed to lift itself into the air. Well, there's a promising start, but quickly found itself settling back onto the grassy runway before the runway ran out. And gave way to boggy marshland, 7,000 feet or about 2,100 meters from the starting line. Unlike El Encanto, the Pacific Flyer was able to be rescued from the marshland at the end of the runway intact and towed to the back of the line to attempt a second takeoff. Oh, God. After all other competitors. At this second attempt, when the time came around, Major Irving attempted to take off successfully again, only to place the Pacific Flyer back into the marshland at the end of the runway a second time. This time he gave up and would be the third entrant to withdraw from the race. This well, is going so well. He didn't give up. The people that towed him in the first time were like, we're not bringing you back a third time. Like, dude, this is, this is your only second <laughs> chance here. Like, yeah. Like, we're done. Oh, so here's the Papco Pacific Flyer and its own pilot, Major Livingston Irving, with presumably his Look family. at the, what is that? Is that the propeller? I don't know. There's like a weird 
turret-looking yeah. thing on the, on the nose of the plane. I do not know uh, nearly yeah. enough about aircraft I don't, to I don't either. on that. Yeah. It is kind of fascinating, though, because... These older planes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I, I guess that's the propeller. That looks weird. It does look weird. The next aircraft to take off from Oakland Field was a special entry to the competition. This metallic construction of an aircraft named the Golden Eagle was the modern and high-tech Lockheed Vega. Oh. Some sources identifying the Golden Eagle as the first Lockheed Vega ever to be constructed, as it was still a prototype aircraft during the period of the Dole Air Race. And, of course, we all recognize the name Lockheed. Mm-hmm. The pilot for this brand new aircraft would be Jack, and that's in quote. Frost. (laughs) Sadly, only a nickname, as his real name was John Frost, but if you had the opportunity with the same last name, you would give yourself the nickname after the mythical Jack Frost as well. Plus, also at this time, people who are named John also get called Jack. Oh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I don't under... I I think we've talked about that before. I don't understand why that is. It's still a common nickname for John. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember people calling John, like, Jack Kennedy. Yeah. uh Jack Kennedy. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. How you get John or <laughs> Jack from either. John, I don't, I don't know. It's better than being called Dick. It's That's like, all we know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or it's like Sally from Sarah. Sally used to be a nickname for really? Sarah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that. I know. Isn't oh. that weird? Uh, he would be joined by his... Nav- Jack Frost would be joined by his navigator, Gordon Scott. The entry of the Golden Eagle was sponsored by San Francisco Examiner publisher, George Hurst. If the Hearst name seems familiar to you, you either know it as the media dynasty who owned the San Francisco Examiner, or if you are a true crime fan, from the abduction and eventual conditioning of George Hearst's great-granddaughter. Patty? Yeah, Patty Hearst. The Symbionese Liberation Army, by the Symbionese Liberation Army in the 70s. Although I am sure it is a case that has or will be covered by one of the many true crime friends of all bad things. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. It's pretty Many famous. Times one. Over. I would actually like ones. to learn it because I know nothing about that. I just know that it happened. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. It's and like a case. It's also like a case of um, Stockho- Stockholm, Stockholm syndrome. syndrome. Yeah, kind. I mean, it's complicated. It's it's a it's an interesting case to mm, learn more about. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the day of the air of uh, the Dole Air Race, the Golden Eagle successfully hey. Departed from Oakland Field, being the first competitor that day not to withdraw. I'm not so sure if it's a success. I don't know if this is okay or not. Because he's got, what, 2,400 miles to go over the Pacific Ocean? Yeah, everyone else at least is alive. I think I'd rather be the guy that landed in the marsh twice. (laughs) Like, he's alive. He's He's okay. Yeah. So this is the pictures of the Golden Eagle departing. And then Jack Frost and Gordon's... Oh, Jack Frost has a little Hitler stash. Uh, no, it's not Hitler's. It's, it goes from... Yeah. It goes, that's not a Hitler stash. No, I guess it's not no. as much, but it's not a great no. look. It's not a great look, but it's not Hitler. Yeah. Okay. All right. The the Miss Doran, or Miss... Okay, yes, the Miss Doran. So Miss Mildred Alice Doran was a unique and groundbreaking figure in aviation as one of the earliest aviatrixes. Hmm. I guess that's the, technically the term Aviatrix. for a I like woman that. Yeah. aviator. That sounds like it should be like a Marvel character. The avi- yeah, the Aviatrix. it sounds like Dominatrix to me. But That uh, too. Maybe that could be like the, <laughs> the her human side. <laughs> Taking flight a year before Amelia, Amelia Earhart popularized flight for females in 1928. Huh. So, oh, that's interesting. Mildred Doran was a 22-year-old teacher from Flint, Michigan who would pick up her love of aviation after witnessing air shows at her local aerodome, Lincoln Field. 
I wonder how that field got its name mm-hmm. in Flint, Michigan. Mm-hmm. The owner of that airfield, William Maloska, who also owned its namesake, namesake, the Lincoln Petroleum Company, would become Miss Doran's patron and spurred the young aviatrix's interest in the glamour and venture, an adventure of flight. There you go. <laughs> It's hard when you drink a carbonated beverage and try to speak for a protracted period. Mildred Doran would convince William Malaska to fund an entry into the Dole Derby for her, with Malaska in response purchasing a Buell, Buell, B-U-H-L, Buell, Buell? I would say Buell. CA-5 air sedan named after Miss Doran herself and hiring John Augie Peddler. Okay, See? Jack makes more sense than Augie. I <laughs> yeah. See, they all have nicknames. Can I just can I just do my bit really quick? Sure. So that just reminds me of the British office when um, Gareth was talking to his friend Augie on the phone. And he goes, Augie, Augie, Augie. Oink, oink, oink. Augie, Augie, Augie. Oink, oink, oink. Augie. Augie. Augie, Augie, Augie. Oink, oink, oink. Right then, see you later. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize for handing the script over to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> John Augie Peddler as the pilot for the Derby, a chance only given after Peddler won a coin toss with a fellow aviator at the Lincoln Field Airport. Yeah, I don't want to win that either. Like, I'd no. be hoping to lose that one. Mm-hmm. People back in this time were just fucking nuts. A little bit. They didn't know what they didn't know, probably. That's, you know? that's probably part of it, but still. The issue was that John Augie Peddler was not a pilot. <laughs> yes. He was a wing walker, a daredevil who would perform oh, tricks I've seen that shit. standing on the wings of flying aircraft and very, very rarely in control of them himself. But he's like, yeah, why not? I'll try to fly it. Jeez. <laughs> like... <laughs> I know what it's like to be out on the wings. I can fly I it. I can fly it sure. now. No problem. This resulted in Peddler having far less than the 200 hours required by race officials to classify as a pilot for the race. However, by some manner, Peddler was able to blag about having greater experience flying than he actually had to the race officials and was allowed to participate in the contest. The same could not be said for the flight's original navigator, however, as the original navigator, identified by some sources as Navy Chief Manley Lawing, failed his trial flight with the aviation branch of the Department of Commerce, which must have been tough considering they let Augie in, and was disqualified from the air race. As a result, the Miss Doran team would bring in local mariner Lieutenant Vilas Sai. No, (laughs) Sai. Is Vilas or Vilas or Vilas's nickname is Cy Nope. I wonder if he's a new relation to Leslie. <laughs> to replace Lawing. Trouble surrounding the Miss Doran began before arriving at Oakland Field. Yeah, it kind of started at the concept, but with a crash landing in a farmer's field during their trip into Oakland. <laughs> this plane crashed before the race. With no injuries, but quick repairs needing to be made. At Oakland Field, they would be the fifth to take off, at first successfully making it into the air, but after 10 minutes, they returned, engine sputtering with the need for new spark plugs. It's a good thing that happened right at the beginning and not, you know, 1,200 miles into the race. Whilst repairs were being made to the stricken Miss Doran, the aircraft's namesake, Mildred Doran, was approached by Vilas Nope and a sizable crowd begging for the young woman to stay behind in what was shaping out to already be a cursed race. Despite these attempts, Mildred Doran would decide to continue with her dream of participating in the race 
despite any apparent risk that was now becoming clear to the audience and pilots themselves. With the repairs made to the aircraft, the Miss Doran took off a second time and headed west towards Hawaii. So we have the crew. Mm-hmm. Look at those pants. I know. Those are awesome. I got to get a pair of those. Is he golfing? <laughs> so these are like dime argyle p- patterned like baggy pants with tight they socks. Do look, or... They do look like what a golfer would wear right? at that time. And then a plaid jacket. Yeah. Who is this douche? That's Augie. Of course okay, it's Augie. Of course it's Augie. Of course that's Augie. There's Mildred. And that's Vilas Nope, who is also wearing. Why are they all wearing socks like that? That must have been it was the thing. just their thing. Mid calf socks was yeah. must have been all the rage. Goodness, oh my goodness! So she's taking off with Arnold Palmer and uh, like Teddy Roosevelt there. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. All right, and then here's the actual Miss Doran. Note the windows for Mildred Doran. Okay, there are little windows. Mm-hmm. Right there. Okay. Oh, geez. Okay, the next is the Dallas Spirit. So the Dallas Spirit, piloted by former World War I Captain William Irwin, was not only participating in the Dole Air Race, but also the Texan-based William Easterwood Dallas to Hong Kong Prize. We talked mm-hmm. about that earlier. With the full intention of using the Dole Air Race's leg between Oakland and Honolulu as one of the three legs allowed for the Eastwood Makes Prize. Makes sense. That's smart. smart. That's actually very smart. So, I mean, in theory, we'll see yes. if it pans out. we'll see if it works out. The entry was initially a family affair with Irwin's pregnant wife, Constance Irwin, originally lined up to be the navigator of the Dallas Spirit. What? Lady. However, due to the pregnancy, as well as being under the age of 21 and not having the experience needed for a navigator's license. Oh, my God. She was not allowed to participate, thank you, in the Dole Air Race and was at the last minute replaced by a navigator named Alvin Eichwald. So, look, I'm all for people being able to do whatever they want, but one, she's like underage. Two, she's pregnant. Three, and most importantly, she doesn't know how to be a navigator. So that's the biggest I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's kind of important. Yeah, that's the most, that's the most important thing. On August 16th, the Dallas Spirit successfully took off from Oakland Field. (laughs) This is like a comedy of errors. But returned shortly after, parts of the aircraft's fabric fuselage. They had a fabric fuselage. Okay. Fluttering behind them as an improperly sealed door had exploded open in mid-flight. On landing at Oakland Field, the team would end up withdrawing from the Dole Air Race, but it had full intentions to repair the aircraft to continue with the Easterwood Prize. The only Hawaiian-based entry to the Dole Air Race, the Lei Adorned Aloha, so there's that's the next one is the Aloha, was piloted by Hawaiian resident Martin Jensen. Yeah. Oh, yes, Hawaiian native Martin, Martin Jensen. Jensen. <laughs> and funded through fundraising efforts by his wife along with his friends and co-workers. The navigator for the Aloha would be navigated by San Francisco Bay local Captain Paul Schluter. Schluter, yeah. A master mariner in his own right. The Aloha would take off second to last on the day of the Dole Derby and would arrive into Honolulu in second. Oh, hey, look, it worked. (laughs) Taking a total of 28 hours and 16 minutes. The winning entrant would be an aircraft next to run down the runway of Oakland Field. So there's Alvin Eichwalt and William Irwin okay. of the Dallas Spirit, and that's the Dallas Spirit. And they were literally reading over like their bar bill from the night before. That's, <laughs> that's not a 
That's not a map. Not a flight plan no, it's not or a map. anything. <laughs> look at their goggles. I He's like, that. no, I ordered ten of these, not twelve. <laughs> and then there's the the Aloha, in case you couldn't tell by the giant Aloha mm-hmm. written on the side. And Martin Jensen and Paul, Paul Schluter, they are all wearing golf plan pants and sweaters. This guy's wearing a suit. Ni- 1920s Hawaiian native <laughs> Martin suit. Jensen, ladies yes. and gentlemen. <laughs> Everybody's wearing golf pants and sweaters and suits. It's okay. All right, the Woolerock. So the final aircraft to take off from Oakland Field on August 16th was the Woolerock, the second Phillips Petroleum-sponsored Travel Air 5000 and sister aircraft to the Oklahoma that had retired from the race. The aircraft was piloted by Arthur Art Gerbel. Okay. Isn't that Gerbels? How's it spelled? So it looks like it's spelled the same just without the S. Uh, pretty. I mean, close enough. It's G O E B E L. I mean, that doesn't yeah. mean he was a Nazi. No. I hope not no. for his sake, for <laughs> humanity's sake. A lot more people were Nazis back then, though, or close enough. Not to the... yet. the The Nazi party hadn't. Uh, I guess I mean more the spirit. The spirit of the of Nazis. Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> now that would have been a great that name for been a plane. A name. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, for a plane. For one of the planes. I know. The spirit of the Nazis. I know. That would have been maybe more telling. Of no, at them. this time the Nazi party was polling like around one to two percent in Germany. They weren't really a, a thing yet. They didn't take over until 1933. Oh, it's good to know white supremacy wasn't a thing until 1933. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't a governing body. Yeah. Just yet. Yeah. Oh boy. So Art Gerbel, a former World War One pilot turned stunt pilot for Hollywood, and he would be joined by Lieutenant William Davis Jr. for the flight to Hawaii. Now, Lieutenant William Davis Jr. just that name will not do. It's too boring. He's not a Gerbel. He's not a, a I don't know, Jack. It's, it's, He's not a Psy. But it sounds like the type of guy that would complete the race. Yes, you're right about that. <laughs> yeah. So on the left is the Woolrock parked to the side of Oakland Field. And here's, oh, here's, spoiler alert, Art Gerbel celebrating the Woolrock's win. Actually, we already learned about that. So, so I think won. the interesting thing, the which guy was the stunt pilot? The, Ger- the Gerbil's uh, guy. Gerbil. So he probably, <laughs> so I'm sure because he was a stunt pilot in this time that he had ties to Howard Hughes. Probably a lot of people in aviation had ties to yeah, Howard Hughes. But especially <laughs> Howard Hughes. <laughs> but especially a stunt pilot, I would think. Because being in Hollywood, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's possible. All right, leaking fuel before departure, which was fixed by mechanics with a wad of chewing gum. I was just going to say, it's either that or duct tape. (laughs) Or or electrical tape. Duct tape is too sophisticated. (laughs) Like, tape is too sophisticated. No, 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 we we just need chewing gum, that's all. Unbeknownst to our girl, the aircraft departed from Oakland Field otherwise without without issue, except for the fact the fuel leak is being held in by chewing gum. (laughs) Arriving first into Honolulu after 26 hours and 17 minutes of flight. Unlike the Aloha that arrived two hours after the Woolerock, the arrival of Woolerock was to be witnessed by a crowd of around 20,000 spectators in Hawaii at Wheeler Field, in attendance being the territorial governor of Hawaii and Jimmy Deedle himself. The Woolerock would be welcomed... Well, they, were, they were told they had to be there or Jesus Christ himself would come down and slaughter them all. Yeah, probably. Something like that. The Woolrock would be welcomed into Wheeler Field by a U.S. Air Force escort. 
Despite taking off last from all the competitors from Oakland Field, Art Goebel and William Davis Jr. would arrive first of competitors and remarked afterwards that they had, quote, not seen a single competitor or even a ship on the water, end quote. And that they, ha- that they quote, had not sighted water since leaving the Golden Gate, end oh, quote. Whoa. Okay. That's how bad the fog was, apparently. Oh, boy. So, yeah, it sounded, if we just go by that, it sounded like everything went, like, either people turned around and were fine, or they got there and were fine. But notice we only talked about two planes that yes. actually got there even more than that. Shockingly, more than that got off the ground because the first four, like, totally didn't. I was going to say, <laughs> I think four total got off the ground. Yes, and we've only talked about, about two. two. So, the headline of this next section is The Disappearance of the Golden Eagle and Miss Dorn. Oh, yeah. yeah. As time passed at the airfield on Honolulu, it had become glaringly obvious that the Aloha would be the last competitor to arrive at Wheeler Field. The only other aircrafts to take flight out of Oakland, the Golden Eagle and the Miss Doran, would soon be recognized as missing over the vast span of the Pacific Ocean, the world's largest, I was going to say, good luck finding them. Whilst the military searched to find the missing aircraft, the sponsoring moguls for the teams involved, which is George Hurst for the Golden Eagle, William Malaska for the Miss Doran, and J- Jimmy D. Dole for the air race itself, posted up large prizes for whoever could rescue the aircraft crews. $10,000, about 150000 a day, for the rescue of any singular crew. Um, Hurst was only looking for the Golden Eagle. Malaska yeah, of only course. for the Miss Doran. <laughs> he was like, the, the, oh, the people are dead? I, I just need the plane. Yeah, well, yeah, or the people from our plane. We yeah. don't give a shit about anybody else. He's like, the plane went down? Is the plane okay? Yeah. And James Dole would double the prize to 20000 for the successful rescue of both aircraft crews. <laughs> Not happening. 40 U.S. Navy ships, ships and aircraft searched the Pacific yeah. without the money spurring them on to, from the rescue prizes. Yeah, they're just actually doing their job of yeah. being the Navy. Paired with around 19 civilian ships, and they searched for 12 days with no success of finding the Golden Eagle or Mr. How in the fuck are you going to find You're not. that with small no, of an object? No. No beacon, no nothing. And they were taking yeah. off... Or they were flying in fog. They didn't even yeah. know where they were. Yeah, no shit. I, they, they could have wound up in Alaska for all we know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah not finding those. Mm-mm. No. That's sad, but it's mm-hmm. it's just, it's not happening. Rumors abounded about stories of an aircraft similar to the Golden <clears throat> Eagle being spotted above the Big Island, the island of Hawaii itself, with flares being sighted on Ma- Mauna Loa. Am I saying that right? Mauna Loa? That night, suggested the aircraft crash-landed in the rugged terrain of the island. Searches of the mountain found no signs of the aircraft, however. Although missing planes have continued to be found in the dense rainforests of Hawaii, so who knows if the Golden Eagle could still be found here, and the rumors confirmed. So, I guess it's possible that that is what happened. Some of the competitors would turn their attention to search and rescue as well, can you imagine, like, okay, we just flew for a full day. Okay, now well, let's go back out. And <laughs> now you need to search the Pacific Ocean. Just all of like it. Like, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fucking... Uh, the second place finisher, Aloha, took to the air again. That's good on them. I mean, that's... Sorry, that's, I'm sorry. No, yeah. that's okay. Yeah, it is but, good I mean, on them. Yeah. I would have been like, uh, those people knew what they were getting involved in. And, yeah, and they're and still I, trying. And I yeah. just flew 24 hours. Yeah. 
So Straight. They, yep. They took to the air again to search for the water, search the waters around Hawaii. The Dallas Spirit would join Aloha from Oakland Field uh, um, as after preparing their broken fuselage, the team participating in the Easterwood Prize would at first receive a telegraph from William Easterwood stating, quote, Dallas wants hop to Hong Kong. Offer expires at 6 p.m. Dallas time if you have not hopped, end quote. Basically, if they had not gotten into the air by 6 p.m. that night, being August 19th, the Dallas Spirit would be disqualified for the Easterwood Prize. In response, the Dallas Spirit basically said, fuck off, if our, or it says F off, if our missing friends have not been found by then, you can take your prize and screw it. Well, good for them. They're good. like, okay, we're going to mm-hmm. re- reconfigure our priorities here. The Dallas Spirit would set out to search for the missing aircraft, aided by Major Livingston Irving of the Popco Pacific Flyer, who would provide the Dallas Spirit with his radio transmitter. Okay, so they're like, the people who were kind of had the failed attempts were banding together and trying here. The Dallas Spirit would zigz... Oh, boy. The Dallas Spirit would zigzag their way across the Pacific on their way to Honolulu, coordinating with the U.S. Navy. With 40 hours worth of fuel on board, the aircraft took off from Oakland Field. However, during communication with the U.S. Navy, the navigator, Arthur Eichwald, telegraphed this message. Quote, We went into a tailspin. SOS, SOS, belay that. We came out of it, but we were sure scared. It was a close call. We thought it was all off. Uh, yeah. And then the radios fell quiet. Four U.S. Navy destroyers arrived at the last known position of the Dallas Spirit, but no wreckage was found, and the Dallas Spirit joined the Golden Eagle and the Miss Doran, missing in the vast Pacific Ocean. Mm. Jeez, that's sad because they were lo- they're trying to help. Yes, they had already done what they had to do. No, they hadn't done what they like. They they tried to do what they. Well, did. that's well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Still, it is very sad. Okay, so theories of what had occurred. Obviously, there's not a great resolution to this. So, there were multiple mitigating <clears throat> factors leading to previous accidents during Trans-Pacific crossing attempts. As calculated by the U.S. Air Force, an aircraft flying no more than four degrees off course, to, right, we talked about this, while en route to Hawaii could end up missing the ent- mm-hmm. islands in their entirety, eventually needing to crash land in the sparse waters of the Pacific Ocean. Additionally, Spatial disorientation, especially mm-hmm. under the darkness of night and over large bodies of water, is a frequent danger for pilots, even in the modern day. I was going to say, even today, that's how JFK Jr. likely crashed. Right, we talked about that, yep. With a common occurrence being the blending of a black night sky and equally black ocean, distinct, or disguising the whole horizon and causing pilots to inadvertently pitch too high or too low. Vertigo is a similar situation to spatial disorientation, resulting in a sense of dizziness from heights and has been known to result in confusion in pilots knowing up from down, presenting much the same dangers. A large factor that was present on the day of the Dole Derby was, and we kind of alluded to this, was a thick layer of fog along the entire route between Oakland and Hawaii, with Martin Jensen quoted as saying after the race, quote, After about seven hours near sunset, I started to climb 4,000 feet to try and get out of the fog because I knew the hazards of blind flying, especially at night, in total darkness, end quote. Martin Jensen had actually experienced vertigo from these maneuvers to get above the dangerous levels of fog. And furthermore, Art Gerbel of the Woolark... Woolrock, sorry, crew would state that throughout the entire journey, he had not seen a single competitor or even a ship on the water, with one source claiming he had, quote, not sighted water since leaving the Golden Gate, end quote. 
and the thick West Coast fog was not only present for the day of the Dole Derby, but was also experienced by the crew of the city of Oakland on their crossing, which occurred uh, far before August 16th. This is a long-standing thing. The crew of the Spirit of John Rogers became victims of the West Coast fog after crashing into Point Loma on their way to join the race. That was the, They were the, mm-hmm. the ones who crashed into the cliff, right? Mm, yes, I believe so. What was likely to have helped any, oh, sorry, what was likely to have not helped any emergency situation or dangerous circumstances was a lack of experience in either navigation or piloting, as few pilots and navigators, as a few pilots and navigators lacked. This was most present in the lack of any experience by Miss Doran's wing walker turned pilot, Augie Peddler. A final factor that was exceedingly common among most of the comp- competitors of the race was a structural or a mechanical failure. Yeah, half of them couldn't even get off the ground, mm-hmm. almost literally, yeah. It was so common during the race that two of the three missing aircraft had witnessed and reported damages and mechanical failures in the days leading up to and on the day of the race. The Miss Doran had previously made a crash landing in a field on the way to Oakland, and on the day of the race returned with engine issues after their first attempted departure. Yeah, we talked about that. Either of these issues could have resulted in damage unnoticed by the inexperienced crew. While a Dallas Spirit had returned and eventually retired from the race after their first failed departure from Oakland, after structural damage was caused when a long strand of fabric ripped open in the aircraft. It could be speculated that the final message of the Dallas Spirit relayed a mayday about going into a tailspin before their disappearance is most likely as a result of a mechanical or structural failure. Yeah, why else are you mm-hmm. going into a tailspin? Any combination or singular factor explored above could have resulted in the crash of the missing aircraft in the Dole Air Race, although without finding the wreckage of the aircraft, none of these explanations can be confidently confirmed as the cause. After all was said and done, ten fatalities were recorded, including Jeez. I know. That's so if there were eight planes who had an average of like two people on board, that's most of them. Seventy five percent? Two thirds, sixty six percent, yeah. Ten fatalities were recorded, including those who died before making their way to Oakland Field, and the subsequent disappearances of disappearance of the Dallas Spirit during rescue searches. Of those reported missing or dead were Navy Lieutenant George D. Covell, Navy Lieutenant R. S. Wagner, Captain Arthur V. Rogers, Mildred Doran, Augie Peddler, Lieutenant Vilas R. Nope, Nope. Uh, Jack Frost, Gordon Scott, Captain William P. Irwin, and Alvin Eichwald. James That's Dole... That's right, Mildred didn't make it. No. James Dole performed a magnific- magnificent turn of face after the race, declaring that it was never his intention <clears throat> to have a race. What? <laughs> this despite the fact that before... Wow, wow. It- talk, talk, about a, talk about a Trump move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he never said that, Yeah. No, Jeez. like we have you on audio. No, I didn't no, say I didn't it. No, I didn't say it. But, we, but no, I didn't say it. Gaslighting a nation, <laughs> yeah. Fucking... Yeah, this despite that before the establishing of the Dole Derby, Dole had telegraphed, quote... I was just going to say, yeah. It is natural for all of us in Hawaii, as well as followers of aviation the world over, to hope that this contest may be doubly successful. First, that it may cost no brave men either life or limb, end quote. And ten people died. And one woman. Yep. Ten people total. The Dole Air Race quickly became the greatest public relations disaster in Hawaiian history, as newspapers across... (laughs) Next to the invasion and exploitation of its people. Well, yeah. 
As newspapers across the United States condemned the race with one newspaper quotes, quoting uh, quotes as calling the race, quote, an orgy of reckless sacrifice, end quote. Well, yeah, but I mean, but my contention is... Oh, no, I'm with you. People signed up for it, you know? Mm. I mean, nobody was forcing uh, yeah. any of these people. And, and this is just at a period of time where just people are fucking nuts, apparently. Oh, well, people are always fucking nuts. Yeah, but on a, on a degree that we can't even comprehend mm. today. And the St. Louis Star stated the Dole had sponsored a, quote, death-dealing stunt, end quote. The Hawaiian branch of the National Aeronautics Association stated after the race that, quote, the planes were not fitted for such an adventure. (laughs) And rashness in understanding (laughs) that is palpably the cause of what was the disaster, a disaster. Half half of the planes that were in the race didn't even make it out of, didn't even make it out of Oakland. (laughs) The conduct of the Dole Air Race was a main contributor to the demise of the short-lived feats of transoceanic flights, with the public becoming scared of flying across any ocean after the many deaths related to the race. Across the Atlantic in Europe, France had banned transatlantic flights in 1930 after a string of deaths resulting in attempted transatlantic crossings in the aftermath of the Charles Lindbergh flight and the Dole Air Race. It was only in 1935, eight years after the events of this episode, that the first commercial Trans-Pacific flight was made, performed by Pan Am, Pan Am, Pan American Mm -hmm. Airways. One one adventurer did successfully cross the Pacific only a year later in 1928, and not only between the mainland United States and Hawaii, but flying Trans-Pacific from Oakland to Australia. That was Australian aviator Charles Kingsford Smith, Kingford, sorry, Smith, in his Fokker tri-motor. Oh, there we go. Making stops at Hawaii and Fiji on his journey. Shortly after the events of the Dole Air Race, San Francisco's Pier 30 held a memorial to the lost aviators, whilst the cruise liner, the SS Maui, stopped 600 miles outside of San Francisco while bound for Honolulu to cast thousands of flowers into the waters in the Pacific, including those brought by the fifth grade students of Mildred Dorn. Mm. Kind of like the Krista McAuliffe of the I mean, day, a little right? Bit. Yeah, yeah. The Woolaruck is now stored at the Woolaruck Museum and Wildlife Preserve, 12 miles southwest of Bart- Bartlesville, Oklahoma. A positive outcome from the events to develop is the accelerated development of technology to help navigation through foggy conditions beyond the standard reliance on dead reckoning. And that was the story of the Dole Air Race. That was, I mean, wow. fascinating, just fucking crazy, Jeez. and like just never was going to end well for most people involved. Yeah, I mean, just well, clearly, <laughs> half mean, of them had to abort. Jesus Christ! I mean, like it makes me think of like I did dumb shit growing up, right? But I can't imagine being like a twenty-something person in the nineteen twenties, even having a modicum of flying experience and being like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna fuck yeah oakland and hawaii no problem where's oakland where's hawaii yeah how do i get like fucking uh yeah no i'm just not i'm just not a i i don't do reckless things typically i don't anymore i never did it <laughs> i never just never did <laughs> yeah you've you've heard some of the stories from back oh, in the day of course yeah <laughs> You're lucky you're alive, frankly. Kind, kind of, yes, for mm-hmm. the most part. But, uh, My I mean, goodness. early aviation, because 
And you also have to put yourself in the framework of somebody at the time. It's like, holy shit, like, we as human beings, like, we're about to conquer the air. Like, we're yeah, going uh-huh. to do it. Like, like the something, days of something, space exploration. Something yeah. that has been a fascination mm-hmm. probably since the beginning of, like, natural thought. Like, well, oh, there's uh, birds. Da like, Vinci was yes. working on a flying machine. Yes. Yeah. It's like, how do we do that? How can yeah. we do that with those birds? And now mm-hmm. it's happening. Mm-hmm. So... I'm sure there was an excitement, and a, yeah. obviously there was a fervor for it. Yes. Otherwise, none mm-hmm. of these people would have gotten involved. Well, and people were watching it, like people wanted to see it. And, and because humans are natural explorers, like that was our next big as, thing. That was our next leap. Like, we had okay, already sailed the seas. Right. Next was the air. Yes. Yeah. And then after that would the come space. space. Yeah. <laughs> what comes after that? I'm not sure. Hmm. Black holes? <laughs> I don't know. No. Next, <laughs> what comes next is destroying our planet. You know. Oh, okay. We've done everything. But Bye. <laughs> but yeah, I mean the and like when we've talked about this on earlier, like av like uh, not with planes essentially, but with like airships and stuff like that. They were such a feat at the time. Yeah. And, like when they would land in New York City or where like thousands of people came out to right. see. Oh my God! It's the fly. It's the flying, the flying thing. Machine. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like because of it was a feat. Because I mean, yeah, because. Mm-hmm. Not that human beings aren't still primitive today, but we were still less primitive now than we were like a hundred years well, ago. Well, technology is self-accelerating, oh, yeah. so we were still in early days of technology. That's Things true. Were, took longer to um, to come to new technology. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those were it was a big deal. Yeah. Now, like we literally had the first like private space tourism. <laughs> Fucking Christ thing launch and like half of us were like so like, like wh- whatever. whatever fuck capitalism you know like whatever jeff mm. <laughs> with your fucking cowboy hat see i could have sworn it was elon musk but it was not it's, right no, it was... jeff i'm sure he'll do it um, well so it wasn't spacex no i think it was something that amazon what, like, what did they call it what are their what's their program all i know is that it literally looked like a giant dick going yeah that's space. what they so, saw a lot of me so they that. might as well have just called it that the giant dick of space. <laughs> giant dick of space. Uh, flown, uh, being piloted, or uh, he was a passenger. I think he was just a passenger. I don't know how was they Bezos got Was Bezos on there? Yes. He was on the... Yeah. How do you I not know this? crashed. Well, that's what people... Like, people wanted the dick to crash? You didn't see, like, there was, like, a petition that somebody started as a joke online, and oh, it got, like... shoot two, it down or no, something? No, like, two million signatures. Like, like, if Jeff Bezos goes to space, can we just leave him there? And, like... <laughs> Like, two million people signed but it. But he still could communicate. That's the problem. Yeah, but he'd be in outer space. And... He'd still be a billionaire in outer space. It'd be harder to get to him. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> at least he wouldn't be down here. Like, whatever. Like, wreaking havoc. We just and... want to send him to another planet. <laughs> yeah, so he's like, while you're up there, just go to Mars. Why don't we just send him to Pluto and have him colonize <laughs> or to the, Pluto? Or to the sun. Like, his ego is so big. We probably, Like, Jeff, like, you could be the first person to fly, the sun. fly into the sun. <laughs> Think about it. Like, get back to us about that. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, jeez. You'll figure it out on the way, like, how to not get hot. <laughs> he probably would fall for that, too. <laughs> yeah. Think about oh, it, Jeff. Geez. Think about it. Wow. And his, his ex-wife been like, yes, think about it, Jeff. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can get that extra billion. So, anyway. Yeah. So this was our... Or should, uh, I, should I end it? Because uh, I introed it. Or you introed it. I did. Oh, I sure. You should end it? it. Yes. That was another excellent script. 
by from, Aces from, California. From Aces slash Robert California. <laughs> we appreciate all yes, of our listener do. scripts. Oh my goodness, you guys have been helping me like buy time as I'm trying to eke out research here and there. So man, do I appreciate that. You've been helping me even more. Because you've not been helping that much in general, you mean? (laughs) You mean that it's been taking off the pressure of you to carry some weight here? Very much so. Okay. So I appreciate it even more than Rachel does. (laughs) I thought you were going to pound that. Well, we'll have a discussion on that. (laughs) We'll have a chat. We already did. (laughs) We did. I was very tactful in that chat, too. You know I am teasing. Yes. But not really. No, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm well aware. I know who I married. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love you. I love you, too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> for the record. Just, just for the record. Like if I we do up, like each other. If I wind up dead in the next couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the Dole Air Race. I had never heard of that. No, that it's was uh, really interesting. And the funny thing is I immediately thought, like, Dole, like the, like the fruit company. Same. Like, and it yeah. ended up being and it ended doll. up being that, yes. I think I'm going to put for the image for this uh, episode of pineapple, right? Like or a banana. Like a, well, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I always think pineapple. Why do I always, I think, always think banana when I think That's doll. so weird. Yeah, I don't know why I always think pineapple, but anyway. Okay. Either way, they've that got both. That was the doll. And other things, they probably got mangoes. And... <laughs> we are not sponsored by doll, for the record. Clearly, we, we <laughs> Clearly <not>. them. <laughs> um, and by... if we had been, we wouldn't be anymore. Yes. <laughs> And that script was by Aces, Thal- Aces-, <laughs> Aces California. Aces California. Thank you, Aces. Yes, thank you very much. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm Rachel. I'm David. We'll see you next week.